You're listening to the Hippie Haven podcast. I'm Callie, and it's my life mission to empower you with the knowledge and tools you need to spark positive change in your community. If you're new here, I'm the owner of Bestowed Essentials and Hippie Haven. I started Bestowed Essentials just over three years ago, and today our handmade, eco-friendly personal care and cleaning products can be found on the shelves of over 200 stores across the U.S. and Canada. Bestowed Essentials is one of the 15 winners of the Stacy's Rise Project Class of 2020, and we are also recognized by FedEx as one of their top 100 small businesses in the U.S. for two years in a row. In December 2019, my team and I opened Hippie Haven, a zero-waste store and community space in Rapid City, South Dakota. Of course, I also host this Hippie Haven podcast, and we release new episodes every Wednesday, which you can get instantly downloaded to your phone for easy listening by subscribing to the Hippie Haven podcast on any of the major podcasting apps. You can find the show notes and transcript for every episode on hippiehavenpodcast.com. You can also learn more about me on our website. You can follow along on Instagram at hippiehavenshop or subscribe to our YouTube channel to see more behind the scenes at both of our Earth Conscious companies. Today's episode is brought to you by Sustain, shame-free products for periods and sex made with your body in mind. Sustain carries menstrual cups, plus a line of 100% organic cotton tampons, pads, and liners with no synthetic additives or fragrance. Their condoms are vegan and fair trade, and their skincare line is paraben and petroleum-free. Visit hippiehavenpodcast.com forward slash sustain to shop sustain products today. My guest today is Kaylee Baker. She's the CEO and founder of Zipnada, a sustainable lifestyle brand in Arizona. She's been practicing zero-waste living for eight years after watching a documentary depicting the harm of single-use plastic. Both fascinated and appalled by this, Kaylee has since dedicated her life to being part of the solution, spreading knowledge and awareness to others interested. Kaylee has created several local programs in Lake Havasu, including Havasu Boomerang Bags and Zero Waste Havasu both aimed at helping her community live a more low-impact lifestyle. She's spoken at festivals, conferences, and local meetings about single-use plastic. Today we're talking about her journey to zero waste, how she opened her own zero-waste store, and what it's like living a low-impact life in a rural area. Let's get started. Tell me about yourself and how you got started on your zero-waste journey. Well, I started about seven to eight years ago, relatively young. Um, I just started uh, high school, and I remember a science teacher was showing us a documentary on plastic pollution, and I just remember, like, my aha moment was just (laughs) uh, watching these images of just, you know, the plastic in the oceans, and uh, what really struck me was the images of seabirds. And they actually starved to death because of their stomachs were so full of plastic. So that kind of just kicked me in the gut right then and there and started doing more research. And that led to the zero waste movement and those communities. And then I began kind of implementing that into my life. And the more I learned, the more I changed. And here I am today. You have your own online zero waste store. You opened that in April of 2018. What motivated you? What what spurred that decision to start your own online zero waste store? And then how has that process been over the last 
two and a half years? Well, I was in college and I had the idea of putting together zero weights kits for beginners who didn't really know where to start. And my brother and my dad actually were the ones that kind of pushed me and encouraged me to just start it. Um, before then, I had no interest. I was in college. I had enough on my plate. But after kind of seeing that this is my passion and this is kind of what I want to do with my life and I want to be uh, encouraging other people to make these changes and to get more educated about it and find products that can help them still live a convenient full life without the impacts of single-use plastic. So I began just kind of starting it and my brother helped me in the beginning. He's also a fellow entrepreneur and uh, with a lot of help with my family, we just started started very small. We started with like three products. We now have about 48 different types of varieties of products and we try and use uh, local uh, local artists. So I use a lot of local seamstress um, and trying to keep everything within the United States if possible. And yeah, it's it's been great. And you're based in a really rural area of, of Arizona. And what are some of the challenges that people in rural areas face when it comes to sustainability? Yeah, so that's been a bit challenging. I think in the beginning, um, when you're brand new, you just want to make all these changes and you really kind of have to, to shift through them. I think the biggest one is access. I would have to say I have a lot of friends in bigger cities and they have like, you know, typically more recycling. I think I know currently Americans recycling in whole is kind of a mess, but they have more access to um, different kinds of recycling, usually compost. I know people in Washington and parts of California have um, different bins for composting. They have uh, access to typically better bulk stores. And I think community is the biggest thing. Um, being in a smaller town, we, we have community here, but I wouldn't say it's very big into sustainability, and that goes along with education. Not a lot of people really know about it. Um, typically, where I live, you, we have, like, very young college-age people, and then we have the snowbirds, so we have, like, a an older demographic. So I think access to a community where you can gather and learn about these things is can be very challenging in some of these smaller places. What does the recycling look like in your small town? So we just have a transfer station. So right now we just have like one big bin for trash and one big bin for recycling. So we no longer have like the separate recycling bins where you separate the paper, the cardboard, um, glass and plastic. It all goes into one big bin and then they collect it and they take it to the transfer uh, station where they then kind of categorize it and then that goes to Vegas and that's where they they take it and distribute it from there. So our recycling isn't very effective and I know a community about an hour away from me called Kingman, they kind of just forego recycling altogether because it's just not working for their community. So as of now, we're still collecting recycling, but um, a large amount of that just ends up in the landfill and it's not very productive.
So what advice do you have for our listeners who live in, in rural areas or even just small towns um, to reduce their impact on the planet when they don't have these conveniences that people in large cities do? I would say get creative. And I think one of the things that I definitely learned not having access to a lot of these things is that you really don't need a lot. I think we live in a very consumeristic society that is constantly bombarding us with messages that we need this to be zero waste. We need this to live this way. And in reality, we really don't need a lot to be happy and live productive lives. Um, repurposing a lot is how I go through it. Um, I know my very first water bottle when I was in high school and I didn't have a lot of money um, was actually a glass vinegar bottle that I just rinsed out and I repurposed that for the longest time until I was gifted a water bottle, like a reusable water bottle. So just being creative instead of, you know, uh, just knowing that you don't need to go out and buy like the latest, fanciest things. If you have Tupperware at home, you can participate in the zero waste community. I would also say building your own community. I know that can be challenging, but just finding other people within your community that want the same thing and gathering with them and creating your own space to live that way and to kind of trade among people, exchange ideas. I highly recommend starting your own Facebook group for your city. That's what I did for mine. What does food access look like for your area? So we, I'm, I'm from Havasu, which is in Arizona, and we are actually one of the hottest places in the world that people actually live year-round. So we do not have access to a lot of agricultural. Um, I would say communities outside of us grow a lot of, like, lettuce, but we don't have any, um, like, farmer's markets or anything like that. Everything is pretty much trucked in, or you have to go. I, I personally drive one to two hours to visit uh, local farms to get produce in the winter and when it's available because it's more local than say something from California or halfway around the world. But we don't have uh, like farmer's markets or anything like that. So we have like basic grocery stores and um, like local health food stores. I recommend supporting them whenever possible because they make a huge difference and they're definitely more open to conversations and being like, hey, can I get this without plastic? Um, I'm lucky enough that one of the stores that I do have in my city had a bulk section. Um, this is the time of COVID, so unfortunately that's not up and going right now. But before that, um, I did have a place where I could get like dried beans, dried pasta, coffee. Um, it was very small, but I was very grateful for that. So, But I think my biggest tip would be to go to your local health food stores because they typically have spices, um, nuts, and those kinds of items in bulk. What advice do you have on shopping as sustainably as possible in any type of food store? I know for some people, you know, they live so far out that maybe their only option is a, a really small market or a convenient shop or, you know, they've only got a Walmart. So how can we still try to minimize our impact on the planet um, no matter what type of food sources are available to us? So that would depend on your diet um, and what I teach within my practice and, and education is that everyone kind of lives their own lifestyle um, based on your activity and what you have access to. But say for Walmart, for example, if you only have access to a Walmart, you still are able to 
you know, make some better purchasing decisions, I would say. Um, obviously, number one would be trying to find produce and products without packaging, if that's possible. Um, the second alternative would be to buy packaging such as cardboard or aluminum, or even if it is plastic, making sure it's either number one or number two that can be most commonly recycled, or, and uh, buying bigger quantities. Instead of buying smaller individually packaged items, trying to find packaging that, yes, it is plastic, but if it's a bigger uh, quantity and it, the likelihood of it actually being recycled is uh, greater than if it was the smaller individually sized packaging. And then besides packaging, how can we still eat healthy when, you know, it's sometimes hard to find healthy options at some grocery stores if we're not lucky enough to have a health food store near us? Definitely. So that would be, uh, again, more along diet, obviously eating more fruit and veggies if that's possible and if you have access to that. I know that quite a bit of the grocery stores that we do have around my community has a pretty good produce section. Um, buying local if you can. If you have access to a farmer's market, definitely that would be my first choice for getting your fruits and veggies because most often they're package free. If you have a farm within an hour and you are able to drive or commute to that, um, I recommend doing that as well because, again, you're supporting local. Um, they use less pesticides or pest, you know, organic pesticides if they use any. And, again, package-free produce. Um, so I recommend just kind of Google mapping it and finding – I was quite surprised to find out that we had uh, about two or three farms within an hour of where I live. So that's currently what I'm doing for that. Joining a CSA as well, if you have access to that would be great. Mm, yeah, that was going to be my next question. Can you explain what a CSA is? Yeah, so basically you pay ahead for the box and these farmers, uh, that gives them the money that they need to plant and produce. And then when it comes time to harvest, you get a box for a certain amount of times, usually like a couple weeks at a time, that is packed full of the food that you paid for ahead. And with that, you can actually split they, they usually have a couple options for like a single household or if you have uh, more people in your household and you can actually um, split. I know that's what we do here. Sometimes a couple people will go in and then we'll take turns um, driving out there to pick it up because usually you have to pick it up if you're um, joining that. And then you get a box of produce for, for a couple weeks. And then I know you're landlocked in, in the desert. So how do you... Uh, express what's going on with ocean pollution to the people in your community when, when you can't physically see it or experience it yourselves where you're at? That is a great question. So, <laughs> and I find that's the most common thing when I'm uh, teaching and talking at community events is that a lot of people, they don't see it and they think, oh yeah, the ocean is so far away. Um, you know, it doesn't have an impact or here. Or it doesn't affect us or I can't possibly affect something that far away. But in reality, we, we're actually pretty close. We are landlocked, but we're like a couple hours away from the beach. And people don't understand is that with, with the wind and the water system, a lot of our garbage ends up eventually into the ocean and we are right next to the Colorado River we have a lake and just you know the Colorado River leads directly to the ocean as well so um, we're very much impacting the ocean and that's what I try to explain is that 
the ocean is like the lungs of our earth. 80% of the oxygen comes from the ocean. It produces, um, you know, food for us. It, it is basically keeping us alive. And so even though we're not right next, directly right next to the ocean, we do need to consider how that impacts it because the, the ocean certainly impacts us all the way out here. And I know that so many of my listeners are activists or they want to take more steps into advocacy. So um, pre-COVID, what advice would you have um, for people who want to start doing community events and outreach in their communities? You know, how do you start these groups? How do you, how do you put together events? How do you speak at workshops? How are you doing that in your small town? You know, how did you do it before COVID and, and what are you planning to do, um, you know, during COVID? How are you pivoting to still be doing community outreach right now? So before I started pretty, pretty slowly, um, I would just speak whenever someone would invite me. Um, definitely groups like uh, local rotary clubs or local youth groups. I would just kind of reach out and be like, hey, this is my message if you'd like me to speak. And usually they let me speak for like 20, 30 minutes, um, women's networking groups. So there's, I honestly recommend just like Googling local clubs in your area and then emailing them and reaching out because most often or not, they need a speaker to fill a certain amount of time and they would love to have you. And it's a great way to get your message out there for people. Second of all, I would do um, monthly workshops and I started a Facebook group called Zero Waste Havasu for my community and for my city. And basically, I started every month we would gather for a zero waste dinner. So, you know, bribe people with free food. And we would talk about a specific aspect of sustainability. So we've covered fast fashion, greenwashing. Um, we've done a couple projects like DIY deodorant. We've done clothing swaps. Um, one of my favorite was during the month of December last year, we got everyone together and they brought their presents and I taught them how to wrap their presents zero waste without wrapping paper. So just getting creative and fun. I would definitely um, do some like bribe them with like zero waste tea or zero waste uh, food or a meal if you can. And just getting people together to talk about that. I think that's one of my favorite things is it's very conversation based. So it's not me just sitting there lecturing them on how they're killing the planet. It's very much like, hey, did you guys know that this is going on? And they would ask me questions. And sometimes they've even given me ideas that I wouldn't even have considered before. So it's definitely getting people together to um, exchange ideas and make it fun, like make it kind of a club or something is, is my biggest tip for that. Um, currently now, um, we do very small workshops now. So 10 people or less. And then um, again, we do. I still do outreach with uh, talking to groups. Sometimes that's over Zoom or sometimes if it's a very small group and they allow me to come in and speak. So again, just um, reaching out to your local organizations and seeing what they're able to do because it does depend on the city that you're in at this point. What final advice would you like to leave our listeners with about living a zero-waste lifestyle? Don't beat yourself up about the little things. That's something that I've struggled with a lot is this perfectionist idea and that zero, what zero-waste in my mind is supposed to look like. And in reality, just making small steps. Start with one at a time. It really is a habit. And you need a strong foundation and you can't do it all at once. And you're going to mess up and realizing that it's okay. 
So just just try. And if you get discouraged, there's definitely been points in my career and where I've gotten like discouraged and just the whole pity party of, oh, it doesn't matter. But just realizing that it does matter. And if you're just doing one thing a day, it makes a massive impact. And just sharing it with other people makes a massive impact. Absolutely. I think that is a really, really, really valuable tip. And I see so many people getting overwhelmed and even even deciding to give up because of how how hard it is. And I think it's important, yeah, to not stress the little things and, and like you said, not beat yourself up over those things. So Kaylee, where can we go to learn more about you and to support your small business? Absolutely. So I have a YouTube channel, uh, Zipnada. Zipnada. Um, Also, Facebook is where I'm most active. I post a lot of our tips and tricks on our Facebook page and our website, www.zipnada.com. And I have a lot of like free educational things. You can find um, our locally made products there. And if you'd love to connect with us, go definitely go to our Facebook page. I love to answer questions. You can reach me there. And that's a wrap. Now it's time to take action. If you live in a rural area and there isn't already a low-waste community on Facebook, start one yourself to connect with like-minded people. For further impact, you can look up low-waste resources in your area and make a digital guide to share with your neighbors. I'll be back next week with local Democratic candidate for South Dakota State Representative District 32, which is my district, to talk about her platform and the upcoming 2020 election overall. Remember, knowledge is power, so if you learned something from today's episode, share it with someone you know who'd also benefit from this free resource. If you share the podcast on social media, don't forget to tag and follow us at Hippie Haven Shop, or my personal Instagram is at hippie.ceo. This podcast is produced with the help of my communications coordinator, Ray Lynn, who also helps produce our Hippie Haven YouTube channel. Subscribe to us on YouTube to see more behind the scenes at our Zero Waste Company. You can also support our environmental advocacy work here at Hippie Haven by leaving a review for this podcast in whichever app you're using to listen, or buy us a virtual cup of coffee to keep us going. Visit buymeacoffee.com forward slash Hippie Haven to support our work. Thank you so much for spending this time with me, and I hope you have a great rest of your day.